Hey YouTube and podcasting world, it's Fancy Quant, and today we're going to talk about corporate finance. So this is a little off topic from what we normally talk about. Um, so for those of you that know the channel, this is all about quantitative finance, analytics, stats, math, and I usually preach against you know finance in general for the quant side. Um, but part of Fancy Quant, part of the branding, uh, is talking both about the quant side, the you know fancy quant, uh, also talking about the fancy side, which is typically the softer skills. Um, a lot of people that watch my channel coming from the finance side, and I think it's beneficial for quants to see the finance side. Uh, if you're a student and you're looking to get into corporate finance, traditional finance, this video is gonna talk more about corporate finance. It's gonna talk about my career a little bit. So I did work in corporate finance for some time. Um, and then it's just gonna talk about what you actually do as a job, as someone that's like a financial analyst, uh, someone that's like a CFO, someone that works on the traditional finance side. So without any further ado, let's just dive on in. Okay, so just a little background here so you understand where I'm coming from and how the video is structured a little. I worked at a startup company for eight years. Uh, out of these eight years, I covered essentially almost every job possible from manufacturing all the way through accounting, corporate finance, marketing, marketing analytics, uh, HR, hiring, firing, like Anything and everything a corporation would do, I was involved in in some way, shape, or form. Um, but I think it's important to realize when I talk about this, I worked in manufacturing. So manufacturing is a very specific uh, type of corporate finance. Again, you'll see it applies to all types of corporations, businesses, banks, you know, anything and everything under the sun. Uh, but remember, when I'm talking, a lot of what I'm doing and talking about might be somewhat manufacturing focused. Um, also, because I worked at a startup company, my jobs kind of bled together. There wasn't necessarily like you walk in today and you put on your corporate finance hat, right? And then you work for like, I don't know, say four hours, take a lunch and you take it off, all right, take your lunch and then put on like your accounting hat or your marketing hat. Uh, when you work in startup companies, you're jumping from fire to fire, trying to put things out and like, it's, it's just chaos, okay? So you have to be able to do anything and everything to make it happen and to make it work. Um, let's talk specifically though about um, corporate finance in general. So I'm gonna try to segment all of my experience here on corporate finance. I'm also going to incorporate a little bit of knowledge from other sources online. So I've looked at other people's corporate finance daily kind of jobs uh, and they do match what I did. So it's definitely the same as if you worked at a massive corporation or if you worked at a super small company, um, they should be the exact same. So. Anyways, let's just dive in here. I'm gonna start off with uh, corporatefinanceinstitute.com, so CFI. I'm not gonna say if I'm a fan or not of the designation, I didn't even realize it was. <laughs> but when I'm doing research, I'm trying to just to show you the skills that you would need to work in corporate finance. Um, these skills are going to be, according to this chart, and I'll put a link below uh, in the details and description. It has listed on here, you know, gather data, organize information, analyze results, make forecasts, develop recommendations, build Excel models, make presentations, and generate reports. So those are really the skills you need for corporate finance, but that probably doesn't answer your question, what do you do on a daily corporate finance basis? Um, a lot of you probably are finance majors or you're interested in finance. Um, so let's just dive in here and start off with reporting because I think this is one of the biggest pieces and we'll talk about real world examples here, but Reporting from a finance perspective is going to happen uh, either weekly, monthly, quarterly, or annually. Um, most large corporations, for example, and 
I think companies in general have to do quarterly and annual. Uh, this comes down to also like your taxes. So regardless if you're a startup or a big corporation, you have to file quarterly and annual taxes. So there's different processes you have to go through. Uh, many of them also do monthly. So payroll, for example, is one of these areas you have to process monthly, which is more on the accounting side. But in general, you're gonna generate a bunch of reports. Um, profitability is like the big key financial metric you're looking at here. So corporations wanna know, are we profitable? Um, things you would dive into here now is what are the reasons for the profitability? So let's say, I don't know, profits are up 10% or let's say profits are down 25%. Uh, people are gonna wanna know why, okay? And you can look at it from a bigger picture, so like gross revenue, net revenue, right? All these different metrics and numbers you're gonna pull from the accounting department and the financials, um, but you're gonna be looking at things, for example, of answering the question, why are we profitable or not? You're gonna be looking at things like expenses. So what are expenses going to? What is office overhead? How much is going to that? Why is it going to that? How do we optimize that? Do we need less people? Do we need more people? Do we need new technology? Should we buy this new software and platform to enhance it? Again, you would need to do financial analysis to figure out, okay, the software costs you know, X amount of dollars. Um, is it paid out annually, monthly? Is it a one-time purchase? Um, and then what do we expect is going to actually be the outcome from it? So that's an example of how you would manage your financials and some of the analysis you would do again in Excel. Um, on the manufacturing side specifically, a lot of our products are hourly intensive or labor intensive. So one of the biggest trackers and the biggest make or breaks within manufacturing corporations, especially if you're dependent on labor as heavily as we were, uh, you need to look at the hours. So how many hours uh, on average are you know employees putting into this product? And then figuring out like, why are they deviating across time? Um, and trying to pull out like, okay, we are profitable on you know producing these products. So I'll give you an example here, we'll call it product A. Uh, we produce product A, we've made, I don't know, 25 of them. These are massive, large products that cost, I don't know, 10 plus thousand dollars. Most of them are 18 plus thousand dollars. But you look at these projects and their individual projects and you try to figure out what is the reason we're making money? What is the reason we're losing money? A lot of times it comes down to hours. And so again, you start then playing with the numbers in your head and looking at management and how the financials are going to impact the business and its strategy. So for example, we looked at how much are we paying employees per hour? Uh, what benefits are we offering them? Uh, which employees are better employees and how do you enhance that? So again, should you compensate your better employees more? Um, maybe bonus structures, maybe changing the way you pay people. Again, you're gonna be working with the HR departments if you're dealing with any of this. Uh, but again, you're looking at the manufacturing side. You might be working with uh, the manufacturing leads here, the production developers or production managers on trying to optimize your schedule and your pricing and everything. So again, this comes down to profitability. And then you break down these projects if you're doing big projects, if you're mass producing production, uh, let's say you're making, I don't know, paper clips or pencils, you would look at these probably on a lot larger scales, right? You're not gonna look at productivity per pencil, but you can, you can break this down if you have the data. And again, this is all financial analysis and figuring out questions around the business and how you optimize the business. But again, a financial analyst is going to look at this from the finance perspective. Um, Another big area here in reporting is going to be annual shareholder meetings. So yes, I went to annual shareholder meetings. Your investors will come in, at least at smaller companies, uh, and you have to essentially pitch the financials for the end of the year. So you take everything accounting generated, um, you go through the financials, and you talk about everything at a more high level. 
but you need to be able to answer the granular level. So you might go in and say, you know, profitability wise, we only made, I don't know, say 6% profit this year. Target was 30%. Um, the reason we were off is we had, you know, we had to move plants. So that was an X, like, I don't know, uh, say $20,000 expense uh, that cut into our cost. And that was, you know, 70% of where the reason we're not profitable. Uh, the other issue is we're having a hard time keeping production managers. And so then you'd go into essentially the cost and loss and comparing, right, different production managers results and explaining to the investors why we're losing money. And then if you need to request anything, so if you need to request debt or more equity, or you need to provide, like, I need advice, I need help, right? And you need the board to provide ideas. Um, this is where it would come in. This is the pitch. This is the explanation. And then again, being able to go into the details here. So a lot of times you'll have, I don't know, you'll have that pitch I just gave you, right? And they'll say, well, that's great. You mentioned you need a better production manager. Uh, like, so what? Like, why is this a big deal? Why is this an issue? Are you compensating them correctly? Or, you know, I have an employee who's a production manager who's excellent. Let me put him in. And so then you just have to start looking at things and thinking like, does it make sense strategically? Does it make sense on the business side? How much is he going to cost? How does that impact it? Um, and then again, asking that company or that board, do you have any information on that employee we could use to make that decision better? So annual presentations are going to be very high level. Um, they're going to get very, very gritty, like nitty gritty into the details. Again, this would be something such as like your, I don't know, like your 10K or your 10Q reports from like the SEC. So if you're a publicly traded company and you're the person on the call, which again, typically this is going to be someone who's senior, like a CFO, they would ask you questions more granular and you need to be able to say, oh, you know, product ABC or product XYZ or whatever, this product is performing, you know, worse than other products, but for some reason the popularity has increased. So more of our portfolio is going to be selling um, product XYZ, but the margins are lower than our other products. So again, knowing these things, knowing the analytics, knowing the details, being able to put it into Excel and work it is very important. Um, for annual shareholder meetings, again, you're going to use PowerPoint skills. You're going to use Excel to get all the data sorted and you're going to put it into a PowerPoint or you're going to print stuff out and provide those to the shareholders. Okay. And the next is going to be cash flow analysis. So this is big with any business, especially in manufacturing and especially at small companies. Cash flow is what kills these small companies a lot of times. Um, Cash flow analysis, you're going to learn hopefully in undergrad uh, or in an MBA or your finance master's program or something like that. But cash flow analysis is going to be looking at positive and negative cash flows. Uh, how do we stay positive is going to be the big key here. So cash flow is just how much cash is coming in and how much is going out. Even though you might be profitable, uh, it might be really slow to collect funds coming in, which we have struggled with as a company when I worked at my old job. Um, but yet we were really on time on paying all of our money out so we didn't have late fees. The problem with that is you might have like, I don't know, say $100,000 to $200,000 in accounts receivable coming in. And so you have $200,000 and you have, I don't know, say $20,000 going out in accounts payable. But if you pay those accounts payable instantly and all of a sudden you don't have cash to cover materials, manufacturing, hours, labor, right, all this stuff, then you have issues and headaches. So on a finance perspective here, it's crucial to look at uh, what are the terms and conditions, for example, on vendors. So if I owe money, uh, should I pay it instantly or should I wait, you know, 30 days? They have a 30-day period you can pay within. Some have 60, some have 90. Um, again, tracking this and making sure accounting is following these will help improve cash flow. So if a vendor requires 90 days and another one requires, I don't know, two weeks, 
Uh, you want to pay the one quickly in two weeks, but you want to wait on the other one until 90 days, um, just if possible. So again, managing the cash flow itself and trying to keep things in order. Again, digging into accounting data, digging into information, looking at contracts, right? It's not just numbers. Contracts are also important to look at. And a lot of corporate finance and treasury decisions uh, are going to be based on contracts that your corporation has signed with other corporations. Okay, and then diving into something else that's outside of like reporting and everything is typically ad hoc reporting, ad hoc analysis. Um, Everybody always says ad hoc. It's always something that's on those job descriptions that people want to see. What does ad hoc mean? It just means like one-off. It's a one-off project, a one-off analysis you need to do. Um, This is one reason why you wouldn't need to automate something. But again, being able to automate using Excel uh, and VBA, for example, and SQL is important in the business world because you can save a lot of time. So let's just talk a little bit about some ad hoc projects here. Um, So I worked with our CEO on turning our business from a manufacturer into a licensing company. So what this meant was instead of us trying to do manufacturing, sales, marketing, and product design and development here, uh, we wanted to step away from the manufacturing side. We saw that there were corporations out there that should be able to do the manufacturing. And then we wanted to focus on the sales, marketing, and design work of these products. We would invent and create cool new products. Uh, We would market them, we would sell them, and then we'd provide all the engineering which we paid for through an engineering corporation. Um, It would stamp everything for us. We would take all that and then we would send that to the manufacturer. They would use those and build the products, ship them to the customer, install them, and then we were out of essentially the manufacturing and installation side. That was the goal. There were some struggles involved with that as general, but that would be like an ad hoc analysis of looking at how do you transition from one type of corporation to another? Are there contracts involved? Um, One example of this is we wanted to set up different manufacturers in different locations. So let's just say you have a manufacturer in Washington State. Uh, You want them to cover Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, I don't know, some region that you want them to cover. And let's say you sign up another manufacturer down in Tennessee, and they're going to cover like Tennessee, Arkansas, Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, I don't know, South Carolina, something like that. So you'd have some regions they'd cover. Now, the question from a finance perspective is, is there going to be an advantage or disadvantage in having more manufacturers nationwide? So for example, you wouldn't want to put a manufacturer in Washington and one in Idaho. They'd be too close and they'd be competing and then you'd have issues with profits and then you know one licensee would be upset because they got all the projects and the other one didn't and it might come purely down to cost. So if one's more efficient, you would use them. But again, if you're a corporation and a manufacturer, you don't want to sign a contract where you get ousted. So One of my ad hoc analysis I did for the corporation was created a financial option. So yes, this is like financial engineering, not not corporate finance, this outside of this realm, but I was in the program of taking financial engineering. So I took stochastic calculus and going through these processes. Uh, But I looked at this and thought, what if this is an exclusive right? Right, if I guarantee you that, like I mentioned at the beginning, if you're guaranteed these five states, for example, what is that worth? That's a really hard question to answer here. And if somebody else is close, right, there's a state that's like halfway between you, who gets it? So I wanted to price that. So I priced it into an option stating these would be expected revenues that would go into the problem. Again, using you know math and stats, which is outside of corporate finance. But you could try to do this from a corporate finance perspective on looking at you know what is the expected revenue that's gonna be coming out of these states? What's the expected profit that's gonna be coming out of these states? Uh, if you already have licensees that are close to each other, 
who is more profitable and why? How do you structure that? How do you guarantee volume for different producers, right? Working all these details out is complicated. It's a ad hoc analysis. It's a one-time event. You would set it all up for the contract, build it into these contracts, and then try to convince licensees to sign up uh, to manufacture these products. And just to note here too, I put a lot of this into Excel after I did it in my programming world in R, for example. Um, but you wanna put things in Excel a lot of times so that business people, business users, executives, people making decisions can kind of play with the data and see what's going on. Um, you might understand it perfectly well, but being able to have that kind of malleable for the business side is important. Um, also, you have to create, again, more PowerPoints, more presentations, more Word documents, more explanations, more legal contracts. Um, a lot of you won't be writing legal contracts. It's what happens when you work in a small startup. But again, being able to put your analysis into something that's communicated through PowerPoint or a document of some sort, uh, that's going to be more of your corporate finance, financial analyst job here, right? You have to do the one-off, you have to explain it and make sure people can understand it well. And then another ad hoc, which might be more of a regular kind of analysis here, which I want to talk about, is what if you're a manufacturer and you make a product and you want to swap out one of the components? So let's just take, for example, paint. So you have paint that comes from company, I don't know, we'll call it company uh, apples, and company apples is going to produce paint for you, and you've always used them and you love them, and then something happens. There's a paint failure, the product doesn't work, or maybe you're trying to save costs, for example, and now company oranges decides that they're gonna sell you paint. And so what ends up happening is you might wanna switch products. You need to look at this though, again, from a financial perspective as well as a quality perspective. So you'd be working with, um, like for example, the design team at your corporation, the quality control people at your corporation. You know, Have you guys seen negative impacts from this product versus that product? But from a finance perspective, you wanna look and see, okay, how much does the different types of paint at different companies cost? right? It's going to be a different brand of paint, a different product, but it does the same purpose. So you need to look at it and say, okay, is switching to the other company a better quality, but it's going to cost us more? If it costs us more, are we able to rise or raise the price here for our customers? And will they pay a little bit extra for that? Or maybe they won't pay any extra and it's going to be something we're going to have to eat and cost, meaning you need to figure out how much your margins are going to decline. Looking at it from a finance perspective, you can provide all these numbers. Again, the quality and design teams will come in, the executives will come in, they'll look at it, they'll make a decision and say, okay, uh, it's gonna cost us an extra, I don't know, $70 per product or $200 per product. Um, our margins you know, are say $2,000. Uh, we're willing to take that because we wanna make sure we have great customer service and the best product out there. Or it might be, well, while it's you know a little bit more expensive, we don't think that extra cost is beneficial. We wanna continue sticking with you know our original product. So that's another example of an ad hoc analysis where financials will come in, but also business expertise and working with other departments is a critical part uh, of working in finance. And then finally, to kind of wrap this up, I want to talk about meetings and strategy. So a lot of finance departments are involved on the meeting side and the strategy side. So when you do all this analysis, as I mentioned, you have to put it together in ways that you can present it to other people. So if you're presenting it to other finance people or accountants, for example, a lot of times you can leave things in Excel uh, if you want people to be able to play with the data, again, you can leave it in Excel for them to kind of manipulate and look at different charts and plots. Um, there are other software out there that people use, for example, like Tableau. We didn't use that. We we're not a big corporation. But you can use things where it's like you can create dashboards and people can slide things around and look at the impacts. Um, it can be beneficial and it can be helpful. But 
a lot of these meetings and a lot of the skills you need to work in corporate finance, which was not mentioned in that financial analyst piece at the beginning, uh, is going to be focused around uh, being able to communicate and work with other people. This is crucial, I think, in almost every business job, even in quantitative finance, for example, and technical jobs. But again, a lot of my experience in working in a startup firm, especially in the finance side, uh, was meeting with, for example, our CEO and talking about financial impacts and how do we you know, get more funding? How do we pay off vendors? Why are we hemorrhaging money? Like, how do you stop it? What do we do? You're gonna have to think outside the box when you start moving up the ladder as well. So on the bottom, you can create charts and tables and talk about your numbers. But as you get going through business, you need to really understand how these numbers impact other departments and other people. Like we mentioned, for example, in the quality of changing product designs or like doing licensing agreements, right? There's always somebody else involved. There's always going to be strategy and other departments kind of making the decisions with you. But providing those numbers and being able to look at it from a big picture is important. Um, again, working with the CEO I mentioned, working with investors is another key point here. Um, so when you have smaller companies, right, and executives, usually like one person above you, but a lot of times you have like board of directors or you have other investors who are concerned with how things are being ran. So working with them, discussing with them, talking about the issues, the solutions, maybe asking them for advice. And then finally talking to advisors. So I was very lucky in many aspects here working at a small firm. Uh, we had an ex-CEO from another corporation uh, who sat on boards for other corporations who had a lot of expertise and advice. It was kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity for me because this guy's fairly well off, he's very bright, he's run businesses, he's made money, uh, and he would take us out to dinner at least once or twice. And so we take out to this really nice restaurant and he would like point blank ask me, you know, Dimitri, why is this failing? What is the issue? Uh, can you tell me what's going on with this and this? And then you explain things from your perspective. And it's nice to be able to work with these more senior people. You learn how to present yourself in a professional manner, in a professional way, um, but also you need to speak the truth, get to the details, try to figure out how to solve problems as teams. And again, leveraging expertise and advice from other people is something I cannot emphasize enough. Uh, this is something you should take in any position, in any job. It is always important to look at what others have to say um, and then trying to filter out what is good, what is bad, and what can help you. And then to finally wrap up this whole video here, let's just talk about the environment of corporate finance as a, a lot of people want to know this. So corporate finance in general, from what I have seen and my experience and others' experiences that I've looked at and read about, um, corporate finance is very relaxed for the most part. So depending where you work, if you work like in manufacturing, for example, it's probably gonna be like business casual. Some places might have casual Friday, which is something common. Um, if you work at a company like manufacturing though, usually the dress code's pretty lax. Uh, if you work at something like a bank, for example, depending where you work, they like to have the traditional finance setting, meaning that they want to have either business casual or like full business attire. So shirt, tie, jacket for guys, uh, women, again, nice dresses, look presentable. Uh, but again, it's going to be far more relaxed in most scenarios for corporate finance versus going in something like investment banking. Uh, investment banking is more about clients and you know being there to sell products and work with people and make mergers and acquisitions and you know, trouble debt restructure. Again, you're gonna have to dress to impress in a lot of these positions. A lot of times corporate finance, as I mentioned, is all this analytics driven. So, so something I didn't quite mention, which I was meaning to, was discounted cash flow models. So almost all of finance is based on time value of money. Uh, discounted cash flows is basically tied into that. Um, looking at projects, if they're profitable or not, is gonna be a key aspect of the job. So 
discounting these back, looking at them, right? Does it make sense? Is it profitable? Uh, looking at loans, for example, if you take on debt, uh, how much is the payment? Is it worth it? Can you do prepayments, right? Things like that. Um, but in general, right, the job is gonna be analytical focused. You're probably more so in the back office doing analytics, running numbers. And then when you do present, if you present to investors or CEOs or anything like that, you're gonna have to be dressed up most likely in a suit and tie. That's awesome, traditional business here. Um, but it's a more relaxed job. Uh, it's a slower paced job. There's not as much pressure when you compare it to more of like the investment banking, right? High stress kind of jobs that you think about more commonly. Um, your hours in corporate finance will be more normal. Again, you'll probably have one-offs like, okay, annual reporting comes out at end of quarter. We typically work 50 hours a week or 60 hours a week for that last week because we need to make sure everything is perfect and submitted for the quarterly reports. So culture-wise, I think it's a lot better than many other jobs. Depending on what you're going for here, if you like the relaxed atmosphere, you like doing analytics, but you don't like a lot of pressure, I think corporate finance is an amazing fit for that. So anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this discussion on corporate finance and kind of my examples on what you would actually be doing in a day-to-day. Again, the key skills here are going to be Excel, PowerPoint, Word, uh, maybe SQL if you're pulling data from servers and working with the accounting department as they might have software that they use to pull data as well. Um, and again, one of the biggest skills is going to be working with people. So anyways, thanks for listening and thanks for watching. And as always, until next time.